This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I find it really hard to kind of freewheel these solo episodes when you're just like lying in bed staring at the wall and I don't know if that's reflective of the fact that I'm just not as good with solo episodes as I am with like duo episodes that's not even a word I think this is reflective of how this whole episode is going to go because my brain is not working and when I tell you why, you will understand. So if you're listening, hi, hi, I've missed talking to you. I love you guys and I'm sorry that I've been quiet, but today I'm going to tell you where the goddamn fuck I've been and what I've been up to. And there's a hurricane outside right now. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this from bed. There's also construction work. My sound engineer is going to have a field day. But he always says, record it from your bedroom. So here we are. I'm just going to have a chat with you about what the fuck has been going because it's been crazy. So as you guys know, we release the Open House podcast every single Monday and there hasn't been one for two weeks. And I think that anyone that has followed me for ages knows that this just doesn't happen. Like I work like a fucking Trojan and I would never miss a week unless something really bad happened. So I know that when I disappeared for two weeks, kind of people were like what is going on are you okay I think some people thought I'd broken up with my boyfriend maybe some people thought that I'd been like abducted in Mexico actually not funny because I do kind of have a story about that but we'll save that we'll save that for another time do you remember do you remember when I was here like last summer and I had that really bad experience and I never really shared what it was yeah we need to get into that at some point because that was crazy anyway I'm here, but I have been in bed for two weeks and I have been really, really sick. So I have had severe dengue fever. I don't even know if it's dengue or dengue. Like, I don't even know how to say it, which I think is reflective of how little clue I had about this illness before I got it. But oh my God, it has been the craziest fucking experience of my life. It has been the worst 10 days, two weeks of my life. I mean, anyone that has listened for a while will know that my last heartbreak literally floored me so bad. Like it was so bad. But this, oh my God, I feel like I could navigate anything. Now I've navigated dengue fever. So I'm just going to tell you what happened. Before we start, dengue fever is a virus that is transmitted through mosquitoes in tropical areas of the world. So I'm from London. Obviously, we don't have that there. Honestly, I, if you had asked me to tell you what dengue fever was, I would have said it was like on par with maybe tuberculosis or malaria. Like my knowledge was so low. This makes me sound so ignorant. But I honestly like didn't even know if it was a thing. And I can tell you, it's a fucking thing. It's the worst thing I've ever experienced. I love that I'm laughing because it means that I'm like on my way back slightly day by day to my usual self. But I can tell you, I have not laughed for 10 days. I've actually just cried constantly. But this is what happened. Okay. So I woke up on Saturday morning, not this Saturday, but the last, and I woke up with a headache. 
It really hurt between my eyebrows. It really hurt in my sinuses. And I thought, this is weird. Like, I never get headaches. It's just not something that I suffer with. So I thought, okay, this is weird. Maybe it's from the air conditioning unit. I'd also done a healing session the night before. And I'm very anti-healing at the moment, if I'm honest. I think I have a lot of issues with Tulum and people in Tulum and how much bullshit there is here and how much shit is just like made up for people to make money and to just live in these fake identities that are just not grounded in reality. But I do have one man, I wouldn't even call him a healer. He is so incredible. I mean, he is the only man that has reduced my chronic pain, my fibromyalgia that I have lived with for 14 years now. I have tried everything under the sun. And this man works with kinesiology and he talks with your body through muscle testing, which is like a very well-proven traditional medical thing. And then using either magnets or there's different ways that you can do it. You release the magnetic and the electrical charge of emotions that have been stuck in your body, in your fascia, in your muscles. It's basically how trauma gets lodged in the body, which I think we're starting to see more and more of in today's world as well. And I have learned a huge amount about it as well as just like the neurobiology of trauma and how this is very much rooted in reality rather than being rooted in non-reality. And that's not to say that non-reality and things you can't see don't exist. Like I really do believe that there is power in alternative healing modalities, but that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. My God, my brain is not working. I have the worst brain fog ever. It's actually a joke. What was I even talking about? Oh yeah, I woke up on Saturday morning and I had this really bad headache. So I'd done a session with um, this guy the night before and I never have any side effects from working with him. But I thought maybe it's something from that. Maybe it's from the air conditioning unit. Like, I'm sure I'm fine. I'm sure I'm going to be fine. So I just got on with the day. I decided to go to the beach. It was a Saturday. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the hotel that he works at. So I went to the beach and the headache just got worse and worse and worse. And I went in the ocean I was like, I'm going to go in the ocean. Now, anyone that knows me is I am like fire sign through and through. I actually don't like being cold. I don't like being wet. And I'm really like not the biggest fan (laughs) of the ocean, but I know how amazing the ocean is for you and how good it is for you. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get in the ocean. I think this will help me. So I got in the ocean. I had like swim around, got out. And then I lay down on my bed and this girl next to me, like, I actually knew her, but looking back on the story, like I already clearly was not well because she smiled at me and I just dead pan, like just looked at her in the face and just said like, hi, and just like waved at her. And then I just like ignored her because I didn't know who it was. And then I lay down on the bed and then I clocked who it was like already at that point, like my brain wasn't working. So I lay down and I listened to a podcast and I tried to sleep. Now I am not a napper. I never sleep in the day. I just like don't have the kind of brain or nervous system that can just turn off in the day. So the fact that I was like even willing to think about sleep, clearly I wasn't feeling very well. So the day went on and I kind of fell asleep and woke up and the headache was pounding. And I was like, oh my God, I don't feel good at all. My boyfriend came to see me. He was like, you're okay. And I was like, no, I just like don't feel good. 
Anyway, he was like, okay, do you want to go home? And I was like, yeah. So he drove me home. And then when I got up and I stood up from the bed, I was like, oh my God, my whole body was aching. I was like, oh my God, this is turning into something. I was like, I'm not well, like I'm not well, baby. Anyway, he put me on the back of his moped and took me home. Now that was when I realized I really was not well because you know, when you're sick and like, everything hurts and then you go on a moped which is like so loud and it's bumpy and like you're going over speed bumps and in potholes I was just on the back like oh so we got home and my boyfriend like put his hands on my neck and he was like I think you might have dengue fever I got into bed and the pain was just getting worse and worse and worse so I basically said to my boyfriend, I think I might have COVID, which is really weird. But when I got COVID, it was a very humbling experience for me because initially I very much thought if you were fit and healthy that you would be absolutely fine and you wouldn't be symptomatic. And when I got COVID, I was really sick as well. Like the body pain that I experienced was excruciating. I couldn't even walk to the bathroom. It was intense as fuck. And the pain was kind of similar, like this intense body pain. So I said to my boyfriend, like, he was like, we have to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, like, I'm fine. Like, I don't really get sick. Like, I'm fine. Let me just sleep it off. Maybe you could just get me a COVID test. You know, like, let's just check it's not COVID before I go to the hospital. Because also, I don't know if I have health insurance and I'm here and I'm kind of on holiday, kind of living here, whatever. So let's just like rule out the easy, the easy wins before anything happens. Anyway, he gets me a COVID test. We do the COVID test and I'm like asleep. He just like wakes me up and he's like, yeah, babe, like you don't have COVID. Like I think you have dengue. And I was like, I don't have dengue. Like you said it hurts really bad in your neck when you have it. I don't have it. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I refuse to go to the hospital. I also, I just like, I'm just like not a big fan of hospitals. I, I can get quite bad health anxiety because I think having had or having fibromyalgia for so long and going to so many hospitals and doing so many tests and having people either tell you that there's nothing wrong with you or jabbing needles all over your body. I mean, I have had needles jabbed like into my tongue, into my fucking muscles. Like it's been horrendous. So I'm just like not the biggest fan of going to the doctors unless like I absolutely have to. So I was like, I'm just going to sleep it off. Okay. So sleep it off. I did not do because the pain got so bad that I physically couldn't sleep. So I was literally in agony. Sunday, I was in agony the whole day. I was like taking paracetamol, huge paracetamol. And I was like, okay, kind of when it hit. And then the second it started coming off, the pain would come back. And it was like, agonizing pain my back my lower back my pelvis my legs I literally was just like rolling around in bed and it got worse and it got worse and it it got worse like I literally the pain was too bad to sleep with but it was too bad to be awake with and I literally at one point was like begging my boyfriend for morphine <laughs> I was like I need morphine like we're in Mexico you can get anything in Mexico please get me some morphine he was like babe I can't get you morphine like <laughs> I was like okay codeine he was like, I don't think I can give you codeine. I was like, anything, like, please, I just need anything. Like, the pain was, I, I maybe am not doing it justice at how horrendous the pain was, but it was 
agony. It was agony. Like I fully was like rolling around in bed, like trying to find any position that I could be comfortable in. And I literally couldn't because any position I was in felt like it was pulling my muscles, which were like too short for my body. It was really fucked up. They actually call dengue the bone breaker. So that kind of maybe makes you understand how painful it is. Like it makes you feel like every single bone in your body is broken. And so I would just be like rolling around, writhing around, like crying, screaming, because I literally couldn't, it was agony to sit up. It was agony to lie down. Like I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lie on my front. I couldn't lie on my back. Like, oh my God, it was just basically horrendous. So on Monday, I wake up and I'm like, yeah, I'm really fucking sick. We need to do something. So we go to the hospital. I think the first part of the insanely traumatic experience I had being unwell was like the intensity of the illness was honestly, I honestly thought I was going to die at a couple of points and we'll get into that. But the second part of the trauma around the whole incident was like, I guess medical trauma, which is something that I hadn't really experienced before. And I particularly hadn't experienced it being in a country where you're not with the medical system that you know and that you rely on. And I personally feel like in the UK, at least, like if you are really unwell and you go to hospital, yes, they might take a while to see you. But if you are really sick, like you are not going to leave until they make sure that you're better. Whereas in Mexico, boy, oh boy. My already slightly tempestuous relationship with Mexico has been pushed to the limits by this experience. So we go to the hospital, we see the doctor, she kind of asked me some questions. She's like, are you bleeding? And I'm like, I'm not bleeding. She's like, do you have a rash? And I'm like, I don't have a rash. She's like, are you hemorrhaging? I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Am I hemorrhaging? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, I think you have dengue. We'll do you a test and whatever. So I do the blood test and then they just, th that's it. Like when I leave the office, it's like, I can just wander around the hotel. I mean, the hotel, I can wander around the hospital if I want to. That's like how weird the experience is. Like you go and do the blood test and then it's like, you just like pay for it and you leave. So we're like so unwell. My boyfriend's like got a car because obviously I cannot get on the back of a moped. And he drives me home. I get straight back into bed. Like I literally can't walk. I can't even like walk up the stairs to get to my apartment. Like I have to get in the lift. Like I literally cannot move. It's horrendous. So I get emailed the results to the blood test, right? I have to read the blood test myself. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been sent this panel of like, 500, no, that's really overdramatic, like 50 things on a blood panel. And I am the one that has to read them. Like the doctor just never speaks to you ever again once you leave. So I'm like trying to look at this and I look down at the bottom and it says dengue fever positive. And I'm like, fuck, I've got dengue. So that was the point I was like, okay, yeah, I'm actually really sick. And it's okay that I feel like this because there's something really wrong with me. Then things get worse. Now I go to the bathroom, I like hobble to the bathroom to go to the toilet and this might be too much information for anyone, but I get up and the whole toilet bowl is full of blood and I was like, what the fuck? The thing with dengue fever is it's a virus that basically if the virus takes over your body, then you can hemorrhage and that is how people can die of dengue fever because it also can slam your immunity into the ground. So you basically don't have enough platelets. 
the white blood cells, like I guess the red blood cells too, to fight it. And by the way, please don't take any medical <laughs> any medical advice from me. This this is not medical advice because as you can hear, I absolutely do not have a clue what really happened to me, and I just was like going along with it. But this is what I've gathered from it. So obviously when I look in the toilet bowl and the whole thing is red, I obviously think I'm dying and I'm like, oh my God, I'm I'm hemorrhaging. And that's what they said is that that's when you die and you have, okay, you don't die, but you have to have blood transfusion. Also, I don't know how you guys feel, but like I am like really not on board with having a blood transfusion in Mexico. I'm also just not on board with having a blood transfusion generally unless it's life or death. Like I really, as someone that does have a bit of health anxiety, the thought of having other people's blood in my system is really like not a vibe. So I was panicking because not only was I so unwell that I couldn't even like sit or stand on the toilet. I literally, my boyfriend was like holding me, but also I was like, oh, oh my God. Okay. This is whole thing is about to get worse. So I am like, okay, we need to go back to hospital. At which point we go and try and put me some clothes on. And then I look down as I'm taking off my tracksuit and I have this rash that's all over my body and it's red dots and it's like everywhere. My whole skin is covered in this red dot. So I'm like, oh my goodness, like, okay, yeah. So now I have every single symptom of dengue and this is really not good. So we go back to the hospital and yeah, the hospital just don't care. They just said to me, oh, we don't think that's hemorrhaging. Like it has to come out of your eyes, your ears, your nose, or maybe like your mouth for it to be like really serious. And I'm like, I'm sorry, like the toilet bowl is just blood and I am not expecting my period for 10 days. And if I am the only person that's freaking out here, like, I don't know what fucking chill pill you guys are taking, but I need one of them right now. And whilst I'm here, can you please give me some fucking morphine? Like, please just put it in my veins because I am in so much pain. <laughs> oh God. So I asked for some more tests. Like, I mean, I wanted them to put me on a drip, like to do anything to help me feel better. And they just did nothing. There was no offer of anything. Also, can we just say like, I don't speak Spanish. So my boyfriend is like translating the whole thing. So this is just like a crazy experience for me. And I'm basically saying to him, can you ask them to give me a drip? Right. And the doctor's like, uh, you need to give us a thousand dollars deposit to do a drip. And I was like, I am sorry, are we all just ignoring the fact that I've I've potentially hemorrhaged in the toilet over here and you guys are just going to talk about like, you need a thousand dollars deposit for a drip. Like, why can't I give you a hundred dollars to give me a drip? Like, I just don't understand. Anyway, so they then did more tests on me and again, sent me home with just to get the test results. So I had to read the test results. And when I say me, I mean, my boyfriend was taking the test results and was like sending them to doctors that he knew in Mexico City. It's like so fucked up. So yeah, went home again. And again, I was just in agony and like couldn't sleep, couldn't lie there, couldn't. The only thing I could kind of do was like try and watch TV to try and distract myself. Anyway, another night goes past and it's just the worst night of my life. Like the pain is unbearable. I am like drenched in sweat. He is like, bless his cotton socks. Like every hour he's doing a cold compress on my head. I would like wake up. I couldn't even speak. I was like paracetamol or I'd be like electrolytes. And I, I could literally say one word and he would just get up in the middle of the night, like straight away. He'd be up. 
he be going to get whatever it was I needed. Bless him. I love him so much. So anyway, yeah, the next day, I don't even know if we're into like Monday or Tuesday at this point, but we get the test results back and they're basically, you have severe dengue fever. All you can do is take paracetamol and keep your hydration up and keep going. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? When I tell you that things took a nosedive even further, because I got the rash on the palms of my hands and the soles of my feet. And it was the itchiest thing I have ever experienced. Okay. So I have fake nails. I have acrylic nails. They're like pointed. I've never been more grateful to have ratchet nails than this moment because I was like pulling my skin off. Like when I say I was like, I don't know if you can hear me, but I was like itching, 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 itching. Like, oh my God, my boyfriend, had to get me ice like straight up ice and I had to hold the ice because I needed to like numb my skin oh my goodness it was so bad so we're at like Tuesday Wednesday now and the next day we go back to the hospital because there is no sign of anything getting better so I do another set of blood tests they send me home again and we get the results my boyfriend sends it to his best friend whose dad is a doctor and he comes back and basically says, your white blood cells and your platelets have like really, really dropped. Your immune system is basically non-existent. Like it's literally, you do not have an immune system at this point. The dengue is, is basically winning and the immune system is not able to fight it. Again, freaking the fuck out. So my boyfriend is trying to organize me to A, see a different hospital and B, to see a hematologist because that's what this other doctor recommended. And at the same time, he found me a guy that could come and give me a drip. And at the same time, I was still in so much pain. I was just like sleeping a lot. Then this nurse bought me an antihistamine for the rash on my hand. And I took the antihistamine. And when I say that it drugged me so badly, I am not joking. So it reminded me of this time when I basically think my body like doesn't really like antihistamines very much. <laughs> this is one of the best stories of my life. So I was on a plane from London to Cape Town to go and visit my parents because they have a house in South Africa. And it's obviously a really long flight. It's like overnight. It's like 14 hours or something I can't even remember and so I took an antihistamine tablet because I'd had bad experiences with sleeping tablets <laughs> before so I take this antihistamine guys when I say that I wake up when the plane hits the runway I'm not even joking like you know when it goes like boom I don't know if you've ever had that if you're like hungover or asleep and you wake up when you hit the runway you're like what the fuck like what is going on boom so I wake up and I like turn my phone on and I'm like got all these messages from my dad and he's like your plane's been delayed when you're in the air like if you don't get your connecting flight like none of you are going to be home for Christmas it's the last connecting flight home to get you home for Christmas so I'm like okay oh my fucking god gotta get off the flight like I was talking to the person next to me I'm like dribbling I'm like I've gotta get off the flight like I'm really sorry like I've gotta get off the flight I've gotta connect I literally can't talk I'm literally dribbling so my mom like runs ahead to the check-in desk basically to bribe them to like stay open <laughs> me and my brother have to get the luggage when I say that I was given one job and that was to push the suitcases through the airport and when I say like I couldn't move like my legs like would not move my arms would not move I was like slumped on the, the trolley trying to push these fucking suitcases 
it really wasn't a funny experience because my brother was like, this is not funny. Like, what is wrong with you? Why do you always do the most annoying things like, at the most annoying times? Because <laughs> it definitely wasn't the first time in my life like that I've abused some kind of substance and found myself in like a slightly uncomfortable situation. <laughs> oh my God. He said it was like a tranquilized elephant was walking through the airport trying to push the suitcase. He was like, it was on safari. Someone had tranquilized you with a gun you were an elephant and you like could not move. <laughs> anyway, coming back to this story, when I say I've been tranquilized by this antihistamine tablet, it was the same kind of thing. Like I could not walk. I couldn't speak. My boyfriend was like, what is going on? But the good news is, is I was so drugged up that I couldn't like really, I didn't really have to deal with the pain or the itching because I was basically unconscious the entire time. So by now it's like, Thursday or Friday and two days have gone by with the antihistamine and I'm like been drugged up to my eyeballs and I start to come back to myself like a little bit and the pain starts to come back and the rash like is still all over my body but the rash starts to like go down a little bit so my boyfriend's like we need to go back to the hospital to get the blood test and at this point we're now obviously quite scared because the other doctor had basically said do not go outside. You shouldn't be coming into contact with anyone in a hospital because they're sick. You have no immune system. This is like not what you want to be doing. And at this point, I was mentally not in a good place. I was, I just wanted to be back home with my mom. I just wanted to be in England. Like I didn't want to be in Mexico. I didn't want to be in a healthcare system that honestly didn't really felt like they gave a fuck whether I lived or died. And they had no idea even if like anything bad was going to happen. And I really do understand that again, in Mexico, this is quite a normal thing. So if you're Mexican or you live like in the Caribbean and you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, bitch, you're so dramatic. But I think the thing is, is like, if you're from London, if you're from the UK, you don't have any experience with Zika. You don't have any experience with these things. So I've lost track of the days, but we get to like Saturday or Sunday or Monday and we start to realize like, okay, I can leave the house now. Now, for like three or four days, I was like literally too scared to leave the house. I was not up to it. I did not feel up to it. And I also was just scared to bump into anyone because I just looked like so horrendous. And I felt like I was like really traumatized by the whole experience as well. And I, I just felt like people might just be like, oh, you've got, you had dengue, like really sorry to hear that. But actually I was like, no, like you don't understand. It was like such a horrible experience. So yeah. That was kind of the first 10 days. And then after the first 10 days, you start to like move into recovery. I'm at like day 12 now, I think. So I'm into recovery and I definitely am a little bit more back to my normal self. Like I can get up, I can walk around. I definitely haven't got my appetite back. Like I literally didn't eat for a week, which I guess is good if you're into like a crash diet, but is not good if you're into understanding that your body needs nutrients to get better. So that like wasn't ideal. The pain has gone now, which is amazing. The rash has gone now, which is amazing. Now I'm into the recovery stage, which is kind of like the mental health repercussions and like the fatigue. So the fatigue is no joke. Like I can't really do anything thing even like walking is like my body feels really heavy um so I'm just kind of taking it easily guys when I say that I have watched so much freaking tv you have no clue like I don't even really have time to watch tv normally and this has been like 
oh my God, I, if anyone has anything for me to watch, like I need your recommendations because I have literally watched everything and I'm trying to even think about what I've watched. But like, this is the next part is that dengue like really messes with your head and my brain fog is like out of control. I watched the whole Sex and the City, that reboot, because I wanted something that was like really easy to watch. And I, I loved it. Like it was shit, but it was, and it was really woke, but I thought it was, it felt nice, you know, like it felt like I needed a hug from my mum who was like 8,000 miles away. And like what I got with Sex in the City, it kind of gave me the same feeling, I guess, but I, I digress. Anyway, so yeah, my mental health is definitely not back to where I was. What I didn't realize is that dengue, the rates of depression at like six to 24 months following up from it are like 15 to 20%. And you can also have prolonged depression and manic presentation as well as psychosis. So I definitely don't think I have psychosis right now, but I definitely do feel like a little bit depressed. And I also wake up in the morning with like really bad anxiety which is unlike me I don't normally feel that way in the morning I've kind of come full circle and I'm now into the recovery stage of this whole dengue and then yesterday I went out for the first time and it was actually quite funny this woman who I know here she owns one of the hotels she didn't recognize me I waved at her and she just smiled at me with an awkward smile and walked past and she came up to me like an hour later and was like, I am so sorry. I just didn't recognize you. Like you are gray and you have huge sunken eyes. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I really do look as bad as I feel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting a bit better, which is great. I'm definitely not myself. I just like will burst out crying. And I've been like super homesick as well. I think during being unwell or having a virus like COVID or this, I actually think it does mess with your mental health. And I think it also just makes you feel really emotional. And I just felt so emotional. Like I had two major realizations during dengue. Dengue. I still don't know how to say it. Yeah, my two realizations that I had. So I had this like crazy crazy almost it felt like a kind of altered state of consciousness experience when I was like so sick and I was so drenched in sweat and I just had this like disconnected moment where I almost felt like I disassociated and I was able to see the working version of me from like an outsider's perspective and what I mean by that is that like anyone that knows me knows that I work so hard. I basically work two full-time jobs, like my actual job and then open house. And I just work so hard. I work so fast. Like I work with an output that clients have been like, I will get with you a day. Like I'd have to pay someone else like a week to do the same thing. And like your brain just works like very, very quickly. Um, so I definitely think that I work very intensely and I just had this moment where I kind of like disconnected out of my body and was able to see the working version of me like as this person that would just sit at this laptop and just like power it out, power it out, power it out, which is kind of crazy because I think I've been so in it that I have never been able to disconnect from it. And I just realized, like, I just had this moment that I realized I can't work like that forever. And I don't 
want to work like that forever. Like I don't want to push myself so hard and so fast and have this output that is like so intense. But yeah, I more just had this like disassociative moment where I realized like the way that I work and the way that work controls my life and the way that work dominates my life and always has and has basically ruined relationships that I've been in because I would work so much and I would always prioritize work like over them and never able being able to be present like even if I've closed my laptop for the day it's like my phone will be going off things I haven't done and I also just had this realization where I was like I don't know what do you guys do when you go to the beach like that is a question that I have for you because I don't find it a very relaxing experience because what I do is like I will go to the beach I'll probably sit inside first of all like have breakfast have a coffee do some work then if I go outside onto the actual beach I will always be like, okay, fuck, what have I got to do on social media? What have I not promoted? What have I got to promote now? Have I like promoted the podcast this week? And then I'm like, oh, TikTok, you know, I now have 165,000 people that follow me on TikTok. And there's a very direct correlation between posting on TikTok and the podcast traffic. Because if I go viral on TikTok, then the podcast traffic spikes, which then means we go up the charts and we go into like the top five, top 10 mental health charts. So I just had this realization that I was like stuck in this cycle of like being a slave to the system, really. If I'm on the beach, I'm doing TikToks, I'm making TikToks, I'm posting TikToks and replying to comments. That's like not relaxing. Do you know what I mean? Like that is not switching off in any way, shape or form. And then if I do relax, like maybe I'll read a book. I'm like obsessed with these Colleen Hoover like romance novels because they're like the only thing that can like get me out of my head. And so I basically just realized that like, I kind of live in hell in my head, being a businesswoman, being always on and having my COVID mechanism as work isn't a great way to live. It's just not a very relaxed way. It's not a very fun way. And like, I look at people around me and to think like, they must just like listen to music and look at the ocean or like go for a walk on the beach, leaving their phone because they're not worried that at some point they're going to have like a crazy client sending them an angry email. So that combined with like the podcast, combined with the always on nature of it, combined with all of that. Now, don't get me wrong, like this podcast is the my favorite thing about my whole life, but it's a lot, right? Anyway, that was my first realization was like, fuck like oh my god I need to change the way that I work and I need to change the way that work impacts my life so that was my big first realization my second big realization was that I am actually dating a really really nice human being I just realized I have come so far with the type of man that I'm in a relationship with. Now, this isn't to throw shade at all of my ex-boyfriends because the one before this one, he was also very kind and very caring. But I look back at some of the men that I've dated before my current boyfriend and the boyfriend before, and I have dated like some really, really that was my knuckle that just cracked. Don't know if you could hear that. I have dated some really, really, really bottom of the barrel men. And I think like that is the problem, right? Is that when you meet these men or women and you have that like insane chemistry with them, insane. Oh my God, I fucking am into you so much. You're so hot. There is a spark here. Like we are vibing. There is banter like back and forth. Yes, this feels good. That is not 
always going to be the person that is going to stroke your hair when you literally look like death warmed up. And I just felt like I felt so, I feel so lucky to have found this man and to be building a relationship with this man and to be sharing this part of my life with this man. And I think that the realization around that was like, there very likely could have been a time that I had to do this dengue fever on my own because I've been single for the last two years of my life, right? Now, but yeah, it just, I just had this realization that sometimes we really have to pattern disrupt and like break our own cycles to really attract people that are going to look after us like in relationship, like in the dark times of a relationship. And like, if we even think back to, you know, in episodes, I think it was like 44 and maybe 33 when we were talking about, I was emotionally unavailable before. So that's why I was attracted to these emotionally unavailable men. And before my current boyfriend, I went on a couple of dates with one of his friends, kind of awkward situation, but whatever, it's all sorted now and, and all is good. Like, I just, I just had this realization that this other guy wasn't going to do that for me, like being this sick, this unwell. So I really chose the right man to be in a relationship with. And that was just my second realization was like, I'm so lucky to have this person here to look after me. And I trust that everyone out there deserves that as well and will get that as well if you continue with this journey that you are on with yourself and also with open house, like doing the work, breaking the cycles, identifying who you go for and actually who you really shouldn't be going for and actively stopping that cycle in its tracks. That for me, I feel like was just this big realization. Like I got to take advantage of that as a result of breaking my own cycle and, and being with this lovely man that I'm with now. And I think the craziest thing is that the nice guy always used to give me the ick. I was like, ew, like that's so fucking lame. Or like, maybe I wouldn't even, maybe I wouldn't even verbalize it like that, but I would just feel that like, ew, like no attraction to someone like being nice. Like I was only attracted to the chase, to the slightly toxic, to the drama of the trauma bond. So to actually be able to be happy with a nice guy is revolutionary for me. And taking that one step further, I find that historically when I've been in relationships, even like if I'd walk down the street and like a really hot guy looked at me, I would maybe like get a kick from that or I'd be like, oh, he's really fucking hot. Whereas now I feel like I feel like I've changed a lot. Like even when I walk down the street, I don't look at people. Like I don't, you know, if someone like was to drop something and give it back to me, I'd just be like, thanks. And I just walk off rather than like looking them in their eyes. Does that make sense? Like, I just feel like I've broken a lot of cycles and a lot of need for validation and flirting and yeah, with the opposite sex. And instead I'm just able to sort of be happy where I am with what I've got, even if even if I genuinely thought that I was going to be like dating Channing Tatum or like Harvey Specter from Suits and I'm not. But do you know what? Like I don't even want those guys because the man that I'm with is so amazing and just feels really good to no longer be kind of controlled by the men outside of me, like the wounded masculine, the wounded feminine in me, like wanting people's attention. It just feels good to just be in a place where I can just be like, I think you're great. I'm really happy with you. And I'm really proud of myself for breaking some of these cycles. So yeah, I think that was a pretty crazy realization as well. Like this guy is not giving me the ick. My boyfriend is not giving me the ick. 
<laughs> Some people must be like, girl, you crazy. What do you mean your boyfriend's not giving you the ick? But honestly, I'm very content and that's a very nice feeling. Before I think content equaled boredom for me. And right now content just equals like happiness. I'm so excited every day when he gets home from work just to like have a cuddle. No. Okay, we've been on here. I say we because I feel like I'm actually, can you tell that I've been going crazy alone in my bedroom for like two weeks because I've had no one to talk to. And also because of this hurricane that's going on and the intense rainfall in Tulum right now, there is a power cut. I've just literally realized that like I have no power and I have no Wi-Fi, which also means because the apartment I'm in has no phone signal, it means that I physically can't talk to anyone. So I think that is why I'm still sat here talking to you guys because I'm like, this is the only thing I can do. I can't watch TV because you need Netflix, like you need the internet to watch Netflix. There's no actual TV. And even if it was, it would be a Mexican, Spanish. I mean, it would be a Spanish. So basically, there's nothing in this house that I can do, either read a book and talk to you guys. So I'm here. But the truth is, no one really wants to listen to me talk for an hour. So I'm probably going to wrap this up now, even though I really wish that I could just keep talking to you guys. But most of all, what I want to say is, yeah, the reason that I have been offline and there have been no podcasts are that I have just been too sick to even open my laptop. We have episodes that we've recorded and edited and formatted and produced that are ready to go out, but I physically couldn't get them out because it actually just involved me having to do like minor touches to them and I just couldn't do that. And I am the entire production team over here, bar my sound engineer and an assistant and the amazing therapists. So yeah, I just physically couldn't get this episode out and I knew that I had to put my physical and my mental health first. So that is where I've been. It has been deeply scary. It has been deeply painful. It has been, I would actually say it was traumatic, but I just really wanted to update you all on, uh, I guess, what's been going on because I really, really value how many of you turn up and listen week in and week out. And I'm sorry to let you down. Most of all, like this podcast is for you guys. And I'm just so sorry that for two weeks we weren't able to give you the Monday open house episode that we all know and love but if you're listening to this thank you I'm really really appreciative of you um, constantly supporting everything that we do and we also have some exciting things happening soon so we have our first ever digital downloads that will go live I think in 10 days or so I just needed some extra time on them because they were just about to drop when I got sick but yeah, I need a little bit more time. So that is going to be the ultimate guide to dealing with and navigating your anxious attachment style when dating, which is epic. And we've also done the ultimate script to talk and communicate about your anxious attachment style to someone else. I am so, so excited. They are so in-depth. They are literally full, full of information, diagrams, infographics, reflective statements, questions, cycles. Like it it really is everything that I learned in therapy that I wish that I, I guess, could have done in a PDF like this. So that will be going live, I think, the Monday after next. And if you haven't already signed up to the mailing list at thisisopenhouse.com, make sure you do that because you will get either a discount before they go properly live or you'll get an added bonus. So yeah, that's just as a thank you to everyone on the mailing list. But most of all, Thank you for listening to me ramble on and on and on and on. It feels like the most social I've been in two weeks. And I love you all so much. If you are coming to Mexico, make sure you use bug spray.
if it's the rainy season, if it's mosquito season, and most of all, if you are unwell or if you are looking after someone that's unwell, I'm thinking of you because it takes a huge toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally. I think the emotional piece can't be overlooked. So yeah. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.